eight of our series, Persons of Interest. I hope you guys have enjoyed um, just meeting different kind of people, especially during pandemic. And um, that was the goal of this series. That was the goal of each of these messages to just introduce you to different people in the kingdom that are influencing and driving uh, God's will, God's purpose, not just in their lives, but in the lives of the people that they're um, coming into contact with. And today is literally no exception to that to that outline, no exception to that to that purpose. And I'm going to let my brother introduce himself. But I've, I've known this, this gentleman for about almost 10 years now. And um, he definitely has a word. He has a message. And I, I would encourage you, like I did a few weeks ago and even the last week, have your notepads out, have something to write with, because he's going to drop nuggets. He's going to drop wisdom for you all. And so without further ado, I'm going to let my brother Dex take the floor. Man, thank you so much for having me on. It is a pleasure to be at the Vantage where we're getting it done. And uh, yeah, I'm Dex. That's about all there is to know. Uh, born and raised here in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, I recently have relocated back to Detroit where I was born and raised. And a long story there, we may be able to get into some of that, but I am so excited uh, to be here and just in the midst of so many amazing things that are happening. Um, what should I tell them? What What you want me to? You can anything, man. So I, I think we could kick off first with, um, you know, obviously pandemic. That's been that's what everybody's dealing with right now. So, but we can get we're going to get into the ministry. We're going to get into all of that. But first, just how have you been? How's your family doing? Man, in the midst of this, what have what have you gained from this time? What What has been your perspective? You know, it's been the best of times and the worst of times. Yeah, yeah. It has been that that dichotomy of the great and the terrible. The Lord said the great and terrible day of the Lord would appear. And it's pretty interesting that he would use those two terms. Mm -hmm. And I think that in the proceeding of the return of the Lord, we're going to experience that. It'll be amazing and it'll be really crazy. And so uh, the pandemic hit Detroit really hard. I moved here in January and uh, in March is when everything started to really turn. And we lost thousands of people here. Um, I mean, it was devastating. I live right downtown in the city center. And there were nights where I literally would just hear ambulance sirens all night long uh, of them taking people to the hospital. I have an aunt that's a chaplain in the hospital. And I mean, the reports and the things that we were hearing were absolutely horrible. We have friends that have passed away. One of my good friends lost his mother, his aunt, and his uncle. And uh, he has a special needs brother that he's now responsible for. It just unimaginable things uh, in terms of loss. And um, I can testify that God is really amazing and that we haven't suffered any loss. And I don't mean that God isn't amazing for those that have lost, but I just know that we really believe that God gave us a Psalms 91 experience and preserved us from death. And uh, we are thankful. Yeah, and I, I know in Oklahoma it, it hasn't um, hit it. It's hit, but not to that degree in Oklahoma. We've even gotten to, uh, I believe, phase two of reopening in Oklahoma, and so it's a little bit um, odd to to be right. outside. And and you know, a few weeks ago I went out um, downtown Tulsa a little bit to just kind of look around and and see things and. And it was just amazing. Just it was just it was just quiet. It was like this this eerie quietness of downtown Tulsa, which you're not used to seeing. Right. Um, but I but as you said, you know, it, it's 
you know, God is still there. God is still on the throne. And we even said that a few weeks ago of this pandemic. It's not that he's not on the throne. He's still there. He right. is still in control. Um, but, you know, that I am thankful to hear that, you know, no family loss or anything like that. And definitely our hearts go out to all the people that have lost. And, and same here. I haven't had any. Most of my family is in Chicago. And so they've been um, hit harder and on lockdown more. And um, mass requirements are way different out there, just as I'm sure in Detroit. And so, oh, yes. Um, it, it's definitely a, uh, interesting times to be in, like you said, the good and the worst. It, it's just one of those, you know, um, you know, depending on who you talk to, you, you either hear the best of times or the worst of times or somewhere yes. in between or a combination of the two. And so I, I know that, you know, even though through that, I know your ministry hasn't stopped. And so um, I, w- I want to go into a little bit about, you know, what you do, what's your mission, what's your, you know, Dexter Sullivan Ministries um, is the, the title of it. And there's a lot of things that go on there, not just from preaching and teaching, but also business consulting, entrepreneurship, youth development. Um, and so talk to us a little bit about that, man, and just, you know, where, you know, not just necessarily with pandemic, but just in general, just tell us about what you do and how you affect the kingdom. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm a proponent that what you do should flow from who you are. And for the last 30 years, I believe that God has given, okay, I'm 31. I have to add that one on there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But um, for those years, I believe that it's been a time of discovery. Mm -hmm. And if we are living, we should be evolving. We should be growing. We should be changing. And for me, I never really was comfortable being one-sided or having one-dimensional experiences. And so I've always tried to do things that reflect who I am Mm -hmm. and allow my gifts uh, to make room for me. So um, I do run a collective called DSC Enterprises. And uh, out of that, we have Dexter Sullivan Ministries, uh, Forerunner Consulting, and the Man to Man Project. Dexter Sullivan Ministries um, actually was called Prayer Power Ministries at its inception. And uh, we founded that in 2011. And really our assignment was to pray. And so we hosted thousands of prayer meetings, uh, in-person, virtual experiences, phone, uh, you name it. And uh, God had just been really so gracious to us to allow us to experience some incredible things in ministry. and. I've been to 20 nations now. Uh, this this cabinet back here, I collect cups. So every time I go to a country, I get the same thing. I go to Starbucks and I get a mug. And uh, so people know me by the mugs. I got them in here. I got them all in my kitchen. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's just kind of the testimony of some of the things that God has done for us in the nations. Yeah, but um, yeah, man, prayer is central to who I am. In 2004, Mm -hmm. Uh, as a teenager, I was in a service here in Detroit and I didn't really want to be there. I had to be there because my family was there and I was sitting in the back doing homework and, uh, it was a prayer conference and I can't explain it, man. I, it would take me a long time to tell you everything, but God wrecked me in that meeting as a teenager. And I never saw God the same. I never saw scripture the same. It was like a light came on that what they were talking about linked into my heart. And I said, that is what I'm called to do. And uh, man, it's been an amazing ride from there as far as ministry is concerned. 
Yeah. And, and you know, I, I know that, you know, everything I've either seen or watched, whether it was on YouTube or on the website, um, prayer is at the center of that. And, and so I, I want to go into that a little bit because I know there, are, there might be people listening who feel like they don't pray enough or they don't pray right or they don't pray at all. And, you know, or, or they, or they have prayer fatigue in some sense of the word Absolutely. or something like that. And so I, I, and I think we've all been there. I know I have in certain situations. And so I, I want to really get into that. I know last week we talked about worship. Um, and the week before that, we talked about obedience. And so that's when I was sharing with you before we got on, like, yes. there's something about June right now. I don't, I don't know what it is. There's just this God is a divinely aligning things, um, with this series. And so I, I want to touch into prayer a little bit, man. I, I want you to, to just share and expound on that experience and, and, and just, you know, te- teach us, man, like where, you know, you talked about where the origin of that came from, but really, what has it done in your life? What What do you encourage people? And, and even when you teach on prayer, because I've heard some of your teachings and, and, and they are on point and they are just on time. And so um, just share with us a little bit about that, man. Man, that is a loaded question. <laughs> I've been asking that's, them all series. I don't. <laughs> that's a like, that's a series conference. That's a whole lot of stuff. Oh, I trust um, me. <laughs> prayer is at its base communication with God. So understanding that we also have to then understand that God is an incredible being and that there's no end to him. So in prayer, there is no real end to how you can communicate. You know, when I am um, in my kitchen cleaning up or cooking food, if I'm in touch and in tune with my spirit man that actually houses the spirit of God, I could be praying, even if I'm not saying words. And, um, you know, the Bible talks about meditation, meditating on the word of God, and mm-hmm. even upon our beds that we would have experiences with God. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't do it every time I go to sleep, but there are many times where I'll say, Lord, speak to me in my dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me an experience even in my sleep. And uh, there are so many dimensions to prayer. You know, we got the prayer of faith, the prayer of agreement. Uh, we got travail, intercession, all of these ways that we can pray that really are descriptions of how we're in, interacting with God. Yeah, yeah. And um, man, prayer really usually comes out of pain and out of a need. You know, a lot of times when God is blessing us and we're rolling, we don't have a need to pray. But when mm-hmm. you get touched with an infirmity, a sickness, an ailment, um, or a really hard circumstance, yeah. usually that's when we start pressing into God. And I don't even think God is really offended by that. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a pretty, um, I'm pretty level-headed dude. I'm yeah. not super spiritual. And I guess when I say that, I don't want to make it sound like I'm not spiritual and I have a disdain for spiritual things. Mm-hmm. But as spiritual as I am, and I'm very in touch with that side of myself, I believe that God is a practical God that actually wants to yeah. answer our prayers. Yeah, yeah. And if we would just listen to him in the mundane and in the simple things, mm-hmm. I think that we would have such a more experiential prayer life because yeah. that's what it is. It's a relationship. And when you obey God, yeah. man, it, it changes mm-hmm. your prayer life yeah, because yeah. that is like an actual father-son relationship mm-hmm. where you're building um, history with God. 
And then you invite him into the areas where you don't obey. Mm. (laughs) I think that's the thing for me. Um, You know, I'm not a perfect person. I've got flaws. I've got issues. I got hangups, insecurities, all of the broken parts of who I am based on the things that I've been through. And, um, you know, we all have history. We all have baggage of some sorts. And yes, we're giving it to the Lord. But you done gave him one bag and you look back and it's another one in there. Yeah, yeah. Like when you're unloading groceries, you think you got them all. There's still a loaf of bread in there. You need to go get that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, So for me, the necessity of prayer, the necessity of connecting with God. I was talking to the Lord the other night going to bed and um, there was somebody in my DMs that I knew I needed to stop talking to. And uh, they had just been blowing me up. (laughs) <laughs> and this might be too much for the people of God. They're hey, not be able to handle hey, this. It's real. Let's be hot. <laughs> but I knew I was like, Lord, you're gonna have to do something about this because this is just getting out of control. Yeah, yeah. They reached out and said, "I'm sorry, I can't do this anymore. I really gotta wow. give this on me." I said, "Lord, you a bad somebody. You <laughs> even know how to turn off the DMs. Come on, Holy Ghost." <laughs> So yeah, I'm man. that kind of Christian where God is everything to me. He's involved yeah. in every part and um, the stuff that, that men and women don't understand, mm-hmm. God understands. Yeah. And uh, he made you, he formed you, he understands how you're wired and he'll work with you through anything. Yeah. All you got to do is try God. Talk to him. Yeah. I think that's so good, man. And I appreciate you for sharing because I think, you know, you talked about that um, simplicity of, prayer right in in its base form is communication but also you know I, I love how you said you know I'm not this over spiritual person um and, and we all know some of those you know, and we all know some we're not going you know we ain't gonna name drop but we know them. you know y'all know them if you if you listening and you know those people if they sit next to you listening don't don't look that way just keep looking at the screen that you're listening to um but it really does, you know, when, and I think of a lot of things in just following God where the over spiritual clouds the reality of it. And I think prayer is one of those. And then, you know, I, I remember going to church early on and seeing a prayer service and they were talking in tongues and they were, you know, screaming and running. I, 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 I didn't know, man. Like I was like, is that what? Is that what I'm supposed to do? Like, <laughs> that, it, am I supposed to do that? And it it it, it just I, I think in some cases like with prayer it, it when you start when you if that's the only thing you see right like, and you don't learn for yourself right it'll 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 in it'll inhibit the ability of your exactly. own and like you said it's literally just a conversation I've been in my time of prayer and. You know, do do you have those deep moments of prayer? Of course you do. But for the most part, I'm talking to God like I'm talking to you. Um, right. You know, and, and I think it's, you know, I, I think there's another end of it I, I want you to go into as well, because I know we talked about prayer fatigue, right? Having that, I, I've been praying, I've been every day just going to the Lord and I'm, t- and it's not happened yet. Right. And, or I don't hear from him yet. Right. And so it's, you know, I, I know people, you know, we, you, you probably heard this from people too. It's like, I'm expecting God to be this big, booming James Earl Jones, 
Darth Vader voice Absolutely. to tell me what to do. But most of the time, I, I don't think I have ever heard God that way. I don't right. think I have. Right. Um, but just talk a little bit about how do, you know, how do people get over that perception? Because they'll, you know, short end, they might miss it. <laughs> you know, they, they right. might miss what he's trying to say. And you talked about the mundane things and things like that. So just go into a little bit of that for us, man. Just, just how do you, how did you get into that? Or how would you encourage people to push past that, that perception? It's important because we oftentimes are limited in our prayer life based on our experiences. Mm -hmm. So the more experience you have, the more you're going to be versed in different things. It's like going to school. If you get a high school education, you're going to be knowledgeable up to that level. And if you increase and go for college, um, uh, associates, a bachelor's, a master's, a doctorate, a PhD, you're increasing your capacity. And I don't want to make light of the deeper experiences and the deeper things. Exactly. Because I have had those experiences. Um, You know, I have had encounters with the demonic. I've had encounters with the angelic. I've never seen God or I've never seen Jesus in the in the presence with his actual physical being. But I know people that have. And I believe in that. And, um, you know, when you have those experiences you understand patterns. I did a teaching on this not too long ago, talking about the patterns that happen in the spirit. So, you know, like the meeting you were talking about, it sounded like a little bit of an old school pattern that they had going on. Mm -hmm. Now, I come from a little bit of that in my tradition and in my spiritual lineage. So I understand the language of the spirit in that pattern. Mm -hmm. So it would be like, um, if I were to go to Taiwan, I don't speak Taiwanese. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how they cook and prepare food. If I went over there, it would be very foreign to me and very uncomfortable. And I would be a guest in that country. Yeah. And it's the same way as mm-hmm. when we go into a church and they jumping and shouting and running and carrying mm-hmm. on and you don't do that. You're in another man's country. Yeah. And uh, there is, though, sometimes some things that we can learn and pick up when we engage in something different. So I'm the kind of person, when I go to a different place in the world, I want to try what they do. I don't want to bring, come over there and just be American and say, yeah. I'm, I'm going to give me a hamburger. Yeah. You know, so I think that there are so many things and dimensions in God that if we aren't closed off, God can give us experiences and if we're not closed off to it. Yeah. I think also as hosts, we have to be wise. And so if you're hosting an experience, and it's not your personal devotion, you're hosting something for other people to come into. You need to be cognizant of who's coming, how you're gonna handle that, how you're gonna do that. And so I know how to pray with Catholics, I know how to pray with Baptists, I know how to pray with Methodists, Pentecostals, mm. I know how to pray with the white folk, I know how to pray with the black folk, I know how to pray, pray with the Hispanic folk. I ain't gonna say nothing in there because my Spanish is weak. So, you know, you just yeah. gotta be flexible. <clears throat> And, um, you know, the deep things of God are important, especially in times like these. You know, um, if we downplay and diminish stuff because we say that's strange or that's weird, some stuff is just weird and spooky, but all of it isn't. And we we have to allow the Holy Spirit to give us discernment Mm -hmm. and also engage our Bible because everything that you see, you should be able to pinpoint it back Back to the scriptures. 
Yeah. You know, somebody, there's nothing new under the sun. So somebody had an experience like this. And a lot of the black Pentecostal experience, I can speak to that because uh, that's a lot of yeah. me. A lot of that really comes out of our lineage. Yeah. You know, when blacks started having church, yeah. there were years that we weren't even allowed to pray. Yeah. If they caught a black man praying, he could be beaten. Yeah. Because they didn't want him to have hope. They wanted him to be totally subservient and animal-like and under submission to authority. Then they started bringing in the preachers and they would have black preachers that they would allow to be literate, but they would only allow them to teach slave passages to control the people. Yeah. So what they would do, black people were never stupid, even as slaves. Now some of them was, but it was always somebody had a little sense. Yeah. They would sing songs and sing messages to each other, whether they were messages of freedom and deliverance coming along the Underground Railroad and giving yeah. signals, or if they were trying to just give a message of hope, they mm -hmm. would preach same. So that way they wouldn't be penalized because it's coming in the form of a song. A song. So when you hear people hoping and tuning up and holding their yeah, ear, yeah, and yeah. the Lord said, and what they're doing is they're, they're actually um, in a pattern of tradition, which yeah. is not all bad. Some tradition is not bad. Yeah. Um, if we hold to tradition only, we will make the word of God of none effect. But yeah. a lot of those experiences, they, they mix. And so yeah. you have a lot of things in there where that's why we are the way we are. Yeah. And I think that that's good and, and even a good segue to, to the next um, kind of where we want to go next. But um, yeah, that, you know, and I think that's where, because a lot of my experiences growing up was in that, in that, in those settings. But I also didn't, you know, I was 16, 17, my first church experience wow, other than, yeah. you know, Christmas, Easter, because that was, yeah. oh, that was us. Uh, <laughs> we, we was Christmas and Easter every other holiday. Year. Uh, we was holiday saints. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, going into that as a, you know, 17 year old, 16 year old. Um, and even when I got into the military, um, because I was, uh, I was in the military uh, for eight years and I remember. I told myself I wanted to experience difference. I, I wanted to see something different because at that moment, that, that traditional, I, I didn't have the knowledge or the understanding of the why behind it. And so it, it, it turned me off a little bit. <clears throat> and so I went to a Catholic service. I went to a Baptist service. I went to what the military calls Protestant service. Um, and each of these experiences were so different, whether it was prayer, right? Some of them, you know, you go into the Catholic church and it was, you know, this, you know, like probably by far the fastest church service I've ever been in in my life. We was 20 minutes and we was out. <laughs> Get that good old Latin I in said, there. What? Boom. <laughs> did it, I said, did we go to church today? Or <laughs> what was this? Um, or, or, the, or the Baptist one, which it was, I, I really couldn't tell you other than that was the longest uh, church service that I've been in. Um, and then the Protestant was more, you know, just kind of a, a even balance, a good music, not over the top, not to this. And so it was all this exposure to different yeah. things. And I feel like even now today, like you look at church today, and yes, you still have all of those things, but I really feel like the churches 
that are thriving are ones who, like you said, don't necessarily stay in the traditional. They still have remnants of the traditional, but not to say remnants as a bad thing, but absolutely, I, I got still you. pull right. from the past to connect the future with the present, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, because that's what you, I feel like that's what you have to do. And, and the word of God is still the word of God is still the word of God. Like it doesn't, it's not less of the word if you have a rapper on stage at church exactly. uh, or you have, you know, the, these different instruments and things like that. Cause I've heard this, you know, I've heard people, Oh, our church didn't allow that type of music or this type of, you know, we've seen movies about it and all of that, but it, it's, it, it like really hearing that where those, where that stems from in the black church. Right. Yeah. And of course, you know, we, we would be remiss to even not talk about it being too black man, but I, I, I want to go into a lot of that lineage uh, with you as someone who who's a prayer warrior, man of God. And, you know, you, you I, I like to say it this way, you know, you can have like you talked about over spiritual people. But I feel like there's um, with churches, there's always this ministry side. And then there's a business side to ministry. Like we know this, but there are churches who over index to one or the other and they don't really strike that balance. And I really feel like even today where, you know, people would say, well, let's just, let's just pray this away or let's just do this in this way when it comes to, you know, being black in America. And, you know, we were talking before we got on and, and I was just in this, this moment of just, I need to hear Dr. King. I need to hear, I need to hear something different than what I'm hearing today. Um, and even that got me into Malcolm X and, and all of the, and, and so you saw that this, this, I want to call it a divide, a divide necessarily, but you saw these differing perspectives of how to handle this situation. And so now here we are 2020. Um, we are both black men um, who have probably dealt with racism um, and other things. And, and whether it's systemic, covert, overt, we've dealt with it. We've seen it in some way, shape or form. But even with everything that's going on, I would love for you to just share with us just your perspective of what you see um, right now in the world, in America specifically. Man, you keep coming with these loaded questions. I see a lot of things, man. I think that we're at a place in our country where it's a time of reckoning. The mm -hmm. Bible talks about a time of reckoning where everything is on the table. And injustices that have been perpetuated in a country, systemic racism, has never been dealt with in a way that would change it on the books forever. We've always left loopholes. Policing, we could use that as a, a benchmark. Policing initiated itself in slave catching. That was the first policeman ever to be in the United States was slave catching. And it grew into formal policing um, and now to what we have in police departments across the United States. So the undertone and the underbelly of a lot of the things that we're experiencing with police brutality and the exorbitant amount of black lives that have been lost at the hands of police 
from sensible, uh, non-sensible violence and miscalculated information. All of that is on the table and it's a time of reckoning where we have to deal with it. It has to be dealt with. And I don't condone violence. I believe in a nonviolent approach. Um, I live here in Detroit where Malcolm X, I was just uh, down at the uh, church in uh, Detroit where he gave the majority of his big speeches, the grassroots speech, and a number of the things that he did happened right here. He proposed to his wife in a phone booth here. Uh, Dr. King just down here on Jefferson, outside my door is where he gave the I Have a Dream speech for the first time, was actually in Detroit. A lot of people don't know that. Um, I believe that they would be very sad to see the state of affairs with the African-American community today because we have such a disconnect. I was sharing with someone earlier that the patriotism that we should have passed on years ago to the young people today, the looting and the rioting shows that they have not trained, they have not raised, they haven't been given a pattern of sensibility and how to steward the civil rights experience. This is a slap in the face to centuries of atrocities that were done against black people. And for us to lose another one and to respond like this is not the way that it should go. And um, it is history repeating itself, but it, what it's showing us is there are still people that haven't gotten the message of what it's all about. And there are people who are hopeless. They don't have economy. They don't have access to higher education, better jobs, better communities and places to live. And they are angry and they are boiling mad. And so that's boiling over um, and so you don't have a controlled experience. You don't have a managed experience. And there isn't, there's been two deficits, leadership in the home with parents mm -hmm. that are actually teaching and raising their children. Um, not even talking from a Christian perspective. We know that we should raise our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. But I'm just talking about in the family of man, raising responsible citizens. Yeah. From that natural perspective, we have not done our job. Because if we had, this kind of thing wouldn't be happening. If you look at who's doing this, these are young people. Uh, a good amount of them are Caucasian. Uh, there's a good amount of African-Americans involved. Uh, information is coming out now saying that uh, white supremacist groups are fueling a lot of these raids. Only 20% of the people there are actually from the community. And the majority of them are in pre peaceful protests. A lot of it is being incited by outsiders that are just wanting to run amok and destroy communities. And we really, really, really need a miracle in this country. And the miracle of leadership is what we need. And, and I, you know, it, it's so much you said there, and I'm not going to repeat it all, but I, I think the end of that is this this miracle of leadership, right? And 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 I, I know you because we've had this, you know, I, I've seen some posts you've had recently, but it, it, it's really at all levels of leadership. You know, it's not just one. It's not just, you know, and I think that's where when I look at <clears throat> the black community, when they they have this response, right, we see the looting, we we see all of these things. And like you said, it's not just black people doing this. It, 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 is, it is everybody doing it. 
And, you know, I, I really feel like they're, we as black people, like we have to have conversations like this. Um, and, and I agree with you. And it was so, it's so funny. You said that, said what you said about what would uh, Dr. King and Michael Max think? Because I asked myself that question just the other day and, and just was like, man, what would they think? Not just about necessarily policing in America or systemic racism. You right. know, I, I think we can formulate what they might think about that. Right. But what would they think around the black community itself? Um, where we oftentimes don't always seem so unified as we right. probably should be. Right. Um, and so I could talk about this all day. Oh, well, well hey, I'm, I'm with you. Um, but I really would love to hear like, where do you, what do you, might be a loaded one, third one's a charm, but when it comes to unity and, and more specifically in the black community, we can talk about the white America and black America unity. We can talk about that too, but in, within our own community, within our own skin, um, within, with, with our own brother and sister, um, it often seems like these moments happen, whether it's George Floyd or Trayvon Martin or any of those things, any of those people, right. Any of those events happen. Um, that's when we seem most unified. Right. But after the dust settles, after Absolutely. things go back to quote unquote normal, we tend to go back to division. Absolutely. Um, or, in, or we go back to our space. We go back to our corners. Right. We go back to, you right. know, the, the rich city on the hill, or we go back to the ghetto, or we go back to college, or we go back to wherever we are in life. But, what, what do we need to do to stay unified? That, so, that's, what, that's what I want to hear about. So even chaos is organized. What we're seeing right now is not a random occurrence. It's not a haphazard incident. Police brutality, the way that it happens, even the chaos that falls out from it in response is organized because they are baiting you into an experience of upheaval, where at the end of the day, the majority of the communities that they're looting are communities where black people live. Ferguson, destroyed, where black people live. Minneapolis now, it's not in upscale Minneapolis. I've been talking to friends of mine there. They've destroyed their own communities. They were already food deserts. So now these people are struggling, and don't have a place to eat. And th those businesses are not coming back. So, we have got to become smarter and not so responsive and reactive that we destroy the hand that feeds us. And it's a black hand. That's chaos. Yeah. But one of the things that we need in the black community is organization. We fail to organize and integration really destroyed the, the epitome of black community. Because back in the day you had black bottoms and ghettos throughout the United States but they were not all ghettos in the point that there were people that didn't have anything. They yeah. were just segregated areas where we had to stick together to survive. Mm -hmm. In almost every city, major city in this country, integration and uh, the industrial revolution put freeways through all of the black communities. So they destroyed the neighborhoods that we had and they forced us to move into rural environments, into the outskirts of cities, or 
integrating, if we had a little money, we could integrate right, right in at the low level of the middle class of white folks. And so that to me is one of the most devastating things that ever happened to us because though we felt like we were progressing, we lost what we had in our unity. It was, it was already a strong community. We had good things going. Everything wasn't perfect, but we were making strides together. Here in the city of Detroit, I'm in the process of possibly uh, buying some of the property that my grandparents had back in the day. And the homes look like, I mean, it looked like rats would come up to the door and answer it if you went and knocked on the door. Um, you know, it's, it's sad to see what has come of the black community uh, here in Detroit. At one point, we were the wealthiest city in the country. That's back in the 50s. And that's when blacks were coming and being a part of the automotive revolution yeah, yeah. in the $5 day. Yeah. And, uh, or the $5 work week. I can't remember which one it is. And it was an incredible time for white America. They were making money hand over fist on the backs of black people. But black people were finding ways to make strides. And it was incredible. The race riots came in 1968, 1966. These cities have never been the same. Yeah. Never been the same. Detroit, 50 some odd years later, is just now recovering to where whites are comfortable living in city limits and walking the streets and doing business again. That has just happened on the last 10 wow. years. Wow. And so what is happening in America, people don't realize the cost of something like this. White people are fearful, they are nervous, and this has the potential. It may not happen because now you have a lot more interracial mix in dating and relationships and people's lives are, are mixed together. Mm -hmm. So we may not have the ramifications in terms of white flight. We may have some of that, and I pray it's not a lot. But what we will have is a, dep a depressed economy in urban areas where blacks at the lowest level are barely hanging on. Mm -hmm. And I would hate to see in a pandemic us being baited into experiences where we destroy our communities in a pandemic. Yeah. It's the craziest mm -hmm. thing that we could do yeah. to ourselves. It doesn't make sense. And um, I am in the process uh, of launching an organization, uh, the Black Legacy Advancement Coalition, which yeah. is with a number of leaders around the country, where we're trying to put together a policy think tank organization to help shape and pattern legislation that is going to benefit African communities, African American communities long term. And uh, this is something that is happening on some levels but I'm pushing to do it on a much larger level because the collective voice of the American people and the black African communities in America, our voice has to be heard. Yeah. And we've got to begin to organize people and we have to organize money. And until we do that, we're going to continue to be left on the fringes of society to fend for ourselves and every other ethnicity in this country organizes except African-Americans. When someone wants to organize us, we disagree, we don't help, and yeah. you know, black people, black people don't even vote and they don't uh, do the census. And I don't mean that as a blanket statement, some of us do, yes. but not yeah. in the numbers that we should. Uh, yeah. We need to vote better, we need to be counted, and when it comes to us, we need to begin to build our bat so that when we swing, it's got some force behind it. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I really do appreciate you sharing that because it's, 
what I hear, um, and, and this is where I think um, not everyone is there. I hear the hope in your words. Like it's, it's the reality of the situation, but then there's the hope of the situation too. And, you know, I, I know for me, and, and I would think the same would be for you, but we, you know, we, I, I'll speak for me. I, I know I didn't come from this, you know, silver spoon in my mouth, old money, all of these things. I, I didn't come from that. I, I, I had, I had a choice, you know, I grew up in the Chicago area, um, spent some of my time in the heart of Chicago, most of my time in the suburbs, but I dealt with the peer pressure, the, the stigmatisms, the statistical, you know, single mom, All having it. a son. Oh, he'll either be dead by 18. He'll be in jail. He'll do drugs. He'll, I heard that constantly, constantly, constantly. Oh, it, the only thing he can do is play sports. I, I, I've heard all of these things. And there was always just this something in me that, that just said, you know, I don't want to be limited to just that. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've been told no. I've been cut from teams. I've been, you know, looked at, had the car door locked when I walked past. I, I've dealt with it all. Right. But there, there's just always been this thing in me that just said it can't always be this way. Right. It can't stay this way. Right. And, you know, it, I was looking at this chart the other day and it, it was kind of like it was a timeline of black America. And it had this larger portion that was pretty much slavery. And it was three. I think it, the chart itself said 339 years of slavery. And then it had about 62 years of civil rights. And I think it ended at like on the chart. I forget where exactly the chart said it ended, but I don't know who made this chart. I just, it was something I called in social media looking yeah. and it was just an interesting thing that it caught my eye. But then there was this period after civil rights ended till now. And it didn't have a name. Like we didn't know what the, whoever, they didn't know what to call it. Uh -huh. Didn't know what to call that era, that part of this journey. And, you know, it, it definitely is a we've come so far, but yet there's yes. more to do. And yes. so, you know, what I, I love what you're doing. I love what every every piece of, of your organization, and even the new initiatives you're launching. Um, that to me puts hope in the forefront to people or it should. Um, but, you know as well as I do, just like you said, Hey, we're going to get, we're trying to get the black community together, but they always, well, this won't work or this is this pessimistic or we don't oh, have, man. we don't get, we won't get, we'll never. Right. Well, with that mindset, you won't <laughs> like, I mean, that that's almost what you want to say. And, and I don't blame people for that. Mindset. No, not at all. Not at all. Because the experience is requisite yeah. to the result. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we really have to do better. And Dr. King, I won't get the quote exactly right, but in one of his last speeches the year before he passed away, where do we go from here? He was speaking to the economic condition of African-American people and other minorities. He called it the poor people's campaign. It included white people in rural yeah. Appalachia. Mm -hmm. And in that speech, he challenged the middle-class black community 
to reach back and grab his brothers and sisters that were still in struggle and yeah. help. Yep. And that to me is the travesty of present day black America is yeah. that there are so many of us doing well that are not invested in others to make sure that they are doing better as well. And so we have this chasm and this divide a lot of times because we don't live around each other. I live yeah. in, in the suburbs, you live in the hood, it's about 30, 40 minutes and I'm not coming down there. You know, our churches have been moved out of the city into suburbs and you know, we're doing this comfortable American thing yeah. and just encouraging people to do your best and hopefully you'll make it too. And that is not how you build. Any culture that comes here from other countries, they strategically empower their people. Uh, there's this thing going around now, the Susu, where people are trying to stack money and help people to come up and all of that. That's how we should have done it. You know, we should have been helping people when we could have stacking yeah. properties. And it's been happening at micro levels. I don't want to make it sound like nothing good is happening in black exactly. communities. There's an amazing uh, undercurrent yeah. in this country for black America. But what we have not been able to do yeah. since Dr. King passed, Jesse tried, Al Sharpton tried, many have tried, is to create that magic sauce where you can lead a national revolution. And I yeah. believe that we're coming back into a space where those kinds of leaders are emerging. Yeah. And I want to be a part of that. I don't have to be sure. the man in there, but I do have to be a part. Yes, and so, sir. you know, with everybody that is, uh, looking at ways they can get involved. My white brothers, my black brothers, sisters, everybody. We need solidarity and unity, but it's not going to come if we are not clear. The right. problem with this presidency, in my opinion, I won't put this on you, Nick, but in my opinion, is that there is a continued lack of clarity as to what is acceptable and what is not. And when you are not clear, you leave room for error, you leave room for mischief and you leave room for foolishness to be perpetuated by those that intend to do evil, intend yeah. to do harm. So we have to come to a point in this country where black folks are clear about what are our expectations and where yeah. are we going. And we have to be clear enough to articulate our needs so that those that stand with us can really support and help us. Yeah. And, and you, you touched on it, man. And, and I, you know, I, I, um, I love the fact that, that, you know, what I'm about to say, I, I wouldn't be able to say without Dr. King, Malcolm X, and everyone that came before me who fought for what I'm doing, what we're doing right now. Absolutely. Like, this is, this is, this is my podcast. Like, Absolutely. I can have who I want. We can say what we want. Right. And it's going to air. And who wants to listen to it are more than happy to. And, you know, that, that part of the part of the name of this is Vantage Point. It, it is the perspective. It, it's a perspective. It's looking at things differently. And I, I don't disagree with you. I, I think when you don't have a clear, you, you know, you can even look at it in parenting. You can look at it in relationships. You can look at it in anything. If I don't have a clear understanding of what I deem right, wrong, moral, immoral, legal, illegal, I leave room to other people's imagination on right. what could be right or wrong. And, and I do, you know, we've had conversations a little bit around that through, through social media and, and I've, I've talked to other people, you know, I don't, um, there, there's a lot with the current administration I don't agree with. 
and, and let me be clear in saying this equally on the other side, there were things from the previous administration I didn't agree with either. Right. Let's just put it all out there. Um, but I do feel like when you don't have this clarity, when you don't have this understanding of I deem this wrong, I, I'm not necessarily playing on words here. If, if it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. You know, we grew up that way. Hey, if it's wrong, it's wrong. Right it's is right. worse than you know? a liar that will tell you the truth and then yeah. go tell something else. Because yeah. it's a two-faced situation. Yeah, yeah. The way I grew up was, if you don't like me, tell me you don't like me. I tell just me. know, and yeah. then I know how to deal with you. But if you're going to smile in my face, and then exactly. you're gonna act differently, you know, or yeah. you're going to tweet something and then come back and say, oh, I didn't mean that I meant this. That's childish yeah. game plan. Stuff, exactly. You know, and that is the mm. lack of clarity. And, and it's not leadership to your It's not leadership. Area. It's not. And you show what you believe by what you do. Yeah. And that to me is the biggest uh, testimony of a leader. Yeah. And that's so true. And, and, and you know, like I said, I, I see the same thing you see. I, 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 I do agree with that. And, you know, I'll say it again. That's, that's, that's the beauty of where we are in this moment that we're able to sit here because, you know, 70, 60 years ago, you know, we, we would not be able to sit here and, yeah. and, and express. And so technology I, is the great equalizer now. Oh yeah. Now we have a platform yes. and I remember, and I'll share this before we, as we transition to close out, but I remember, um, and I love how you said, I don't have to be the man. I just want to be a part. Yeah. I think the other complexity that, that we deal with in society. And I do feel like it, and I can only speak for black society because that's my society. That's what I'm a part of. But I do see it in other cultures too. This, this um, covert desire, they try to make it covert, but it's very definitely blatantly obvious that they have, a, people have this desire to be the man. I have this desire to be the one. And, you know, when you think about it that way, um, that's a you know if i can't be the man i don't want to have a part of it and i remember god telling me very clearly when he gave me this vision and this direction for this podcast and i started to do it it was at some point i don't remember the exact point he said it to me um but and again god it's not a booming voice like we talked about earlier but he said but he literally just said in in clear plain as day you didn't need a platform to to tell my message. You didn't need the pulpit to tell my message. You didn't need to be on a stage to tell my message. I'll make a platform for you. Just go do what I said to do. Just do it. You know, obedience. And and so when I think about like what you said and, and how we can help, and I'm gonna give you the opportunity to tell us, you know, because I know there's gonna be people listening, white, black, Hispanic, Asian whatever race they are they want to be a part because i'm I'm a you know i i'm you know in in the in the realm of hope i don't i don't believe all white people are bad i don't believe all police officers are bad i don't believe all black people are bad because then that would make us no better than them you know than the ones who do think all black people are x y and z 
And so I know that there are people listening to this and, 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 you know, thanks, praise to God that I'm able to have listeners across the globe that listen to this podcast. I have a faithful listener in Spain. I don't know who they are and I may not ever meet them, but I appreciate you for listening. And they're going to hear this and they're going to say, man, I want to be a part of something because you never know. And going back to that point of, you know, we can't do because we don't have. Well, you never know what, who will come that will bring what you don't have, that will provide a way or provide the means to make the way. Absolutely. And so I I don't, I would be remiss as as the host and, and allowing you on here, but I want you to share with people right now as we close out, just how can they get connected to you? How can they latch on to what you're doing for the community, not just black community as a whole, but just in general, because I know, I know your um, purpose and mission, while it embodies the black community, I know it goes much deeper than that. And so um, just how can, how can they get in contact with you? How can they latch on and be a part and help perpetuate what you're trying to do? Absolutely. Well, as you said, uh, we're about unity at the end of the day. I was telling my buddy earlier, Paul, we were roommates in college and uh, he's Caucasian guy. You actually may know Paul Klein. I'm not sure. Yeah, he's the so, yeah. lead singer in a band called Laney. Yeah. And uh, we were talking about uh, my great, great, great grandfather. Yeah. And he's a white man that fell in love with a slave named Estelle. And he had four daughters with her. So I ain't this light skinned just because I want to be light. Like, there's some white <laughs> up in there. Yeah, yeah. So at the end of the day, it's silly for any of us to be racist because we don't know if we're cousins or not. We have no idea. But. Um, <laughs> Yeah, man. They can keep in touch with us, DexterSullivan.org. That's the website for the ministry. Uh, And then Forerunner Consulting, we didn't get to talk too much about that, but that's uh, my professional business where we help you do you well. And we do consulting. I do organizational management, leadership development, coaching, that sort of a thing. Um, And then with this new new coalition that we're launching, the Black Coalition, if people want to be a part of that, we haven't gone public yet, but we will uh, by the beginning of July. Um, but if they reach out to us at the website, we can put them on the list and make sure that they receive that information when we do go public. And we have white individuals on our board, uh, of board of directors, board of advisors. There's going to be two ways that they can get plugged in. So we are a policy think tank where we're mining the intellect and the thoughts that are going to help strengthen the black community and protect our life, our legacy, and our interests. So if people want to be a part of that process, we would assign them to one of our sector commissions. These are going to be sectors where Black life is affected, and we're starting off with five sectors. We'll expand to well over 20 in the future, but we're going to start with those five priorities. And then people may say, I'm not involved in being involved in that, but I would like to be an ally. There's no responsibilities other than just being a partner at this point. And so you can also sign up with us as an ally and we'll get you connected and make sure you're a part and aware of the movement. Man, thank you so much for, you know, just taking the time, man. I know, I know busy, busy, man, but you know, I, this, I know this again, I, I say this every week, but I know this episode is going to bless somebody. And man, I pray so. The beginning of, of a discussion, because even as we go into next week, the final week of this series, um, we're, we're going to kind of almost continue this, the end of this conversation in more of a group com- in group setting 
I love so it. working on that and, and really just leading into July um, and, and no, no, you know, no surprise how God is aligning this, but the, the weekend of Independence Day and, 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 and the tones of freedom in this country. And so we want to, you know, that's something we want to hear even more so in the yes. black community and, and really be a part of that. And so, man, I, I just thank you again, man. Um, like I said at the beginning, man, I've, I've known Dex for 10 years now. And uh, this brother is, is as real as real can get. Um, definitely a servant leader, coolest guy, humble guy you would meet. Pray that y'all get connected with him. And so we just thank y'all again for just tuning in to Vantage Point, And we're going to see y'all again next Friday. Peace out.